Jumpstart your healthy resolutions with reduced pricing on all my favorite supplements from Thorne. Right now, my entire curated selection of Thorne supplements is 20% off, including Thorne's cutting-edge brain support formula, Cinequel. I've added Cinequel to my personal daily regimen to fight off cognitive decline. Cinequel is rich in the best researched ingredients that help support brain function. Its active ingredients help maintain cellular energy production, encourage a healthy balance of inflammatory cytokines, kinds, provide energy to fuel the nerves, support neurotransmitter production, and protect against oxidative stress. It's available in two strengths, Cinequel for everyday maintenance and Cinequel Plus, which provides higher amounts of specific nutrients for shorter-term support after impact-related head injury. Just go to DeerHoffman.com Thorn for 20% off Cinequel, as well as my entire curated selection of Thorn products. That's DeerHoffman.com Thorn. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today, what I'd like to do is acquaint you or bring you up to speed on an organization that is dear and dear to my heart. Uh, I'm president of that organization. It's the Alliance for Natural Health, anh-usa.org. With me today is the executive director of the Alliance for Natural Health, Uh, He has been a frequent contributor here on Intelligent Medicine, and uh, he is Rob Furkirk. Uh, Rob is an internationally acclaimed expert in health, agricultural, and environmental sustainability, and he is one of these uh, jack-of-all-trades guys uh, who has uh, deep knowledge in uh, medical and health topics as well as environmental topics, Uh, and uh, he is the founder of of ANH International, the Alliance for Natural Health International, which is based in the UK. And in a recent move, uh, we've consolidated our efforts with uh, ANH International. You can find uh, them at anhinternational.org. It's a pan-European and international NGO, quote, dedicated to promoting and protecting natural approaches to health care, as well as helping to shape the scientific and regulatory framework affecting such approaches. Uh, ANH, the Alliance for Natural Health, is all about safeguarding your access to health care policies and procedures of your choice, uh, access to healthcare practitioners, and to supplements. And so without further ado, here is Rob for Kirk. Rob, it's a pleasure having a conversation with you once again. Uh, and uh, a shout out to you over there in the UK. Ron, absolutely fantastic to be with you a day before I actually set foot back in the US uh, again. So um, don't ask me about my, um, my, my carbon footprint at the moment, but um, it's considerable. Okay. Well, you know, uh, I, I know if, if you could, uh, you would uh, probably a bicycle over here because uh, you're, you're a stupendous uh, cyclist and athlete, uh, but it's a little hard to traverse the Atlantic Ocean that way. So, uh, you know. Uh, yeah. Have you got any hints on that, Ron? I'm, I'm totally up for it. I don't know. Maybe, we can maybe, use, maybe a pedal boat. You know, you could establish uh, the world's uh, <laughs> transatlantic record uh, on a pedal boat. Uh, but, uh, you know, maybe that 
maybe that would be a little too time consuming. Well, with we your we busy can schedule. talk to, to Elon Musk and, and have a Starlink so we can actually do a podcast mid Atlantic. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, so uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what's happening on the A&H front, and, and, and perhaps acquaint our listeners with uh, the mission of uh, A&H. Uh, now that you are, uh, you've got uh, dual roles as uh, head of A&H International, also executive director of A&H USA. Well, Ron, we we live in a, a you know a fascinating world, one that is changing extremely rapidly, and. Um, you know, if you look at the subject of healthcare, we have a peculiar situation where when people think of healthcare, they tend to think think of hospitals and clinics. And you will know there have been multiple studies that show that the net impact on health outcomes of clinical care is around about 20%. So 80% of it happens outside a clinical environment. Um, a very large part of it has to do with our behavior, the, the behaviors that we engage with. Um, and that does include what we put into our mouth, what we put into our skin, but it also includes how we respond to the world around us and how many chemicals there are that we're exposed to. And if we live in an inner city area or out in a rural area, if we're consuming pesticides or not. Um, and, um, and it actually also has a, a large part to do with... Um, our socioeconomic status, which is an interesting um, problem for healthcare, pretty much 50% of health outcomes are correlated very, very closely with how much disposable income we have. And that tells a rather sorry story that, that if we need to do the things that are good for us, one would imagine that those things are not readily accessible through Medicaid, Medicare, um, they're not at the cheap end of the supermarket. Um, and there's this illusion that um, you need a lot of money to manage your health properly. Now, at A&H, we are very interested in, in, in challenging that whole specter. And of course, what we're seeing is a pharmaceutical industry that's kind of controlled the clinical care environment for the last 80 or so years. Um, it is largely used a biochemistry lens to look at the human body. And because it's used a biochemistry lens, it's come up typically with biochemical solutions. And post-World War II, we saw the, the morphing of a kind of pre-pharma industry that was busy making synthetic vitamins and minerals that, that then birthed what we know today as orthomolecular medicine. And then they decided to start patenting molecules with probably around about 75% of all pharmaceuticals having some link with natural products. Much more recently, we've seen since 2012, the patent cliff for, you know, big blockbuster drugs. And um, we're in this really interesting period. This is a key time for natural health because the drug companies are going, actually, we've got a huge amount now to learn from nature. And we're going to start looking at this area of biologic products, biosimilars. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to look at nanotechnology. I mean, let, people think of nanotechnology as something brand new. Um, nature has been, nano, been doing nanotechnology for, for billions of years. 
almost just, every- Just to, for our listeners to define nanotechnology, I, I, I think what so, you mean so, is the so ability to a, a encapsulate nano, things and uh, well, allow them a, a to nano be more material, Yeah, a nanomaterial is simply something that is between one and a hundred microns in one of its lengths. So it is purely a size-related feature. You can add the word technology to nano, and essentially all you're saying is that it is somehow being manufactured. And of course, we can take natural products and put them through a technological process and call it a nanotechnology. But um, the, the bottom line is um, what, what we're seeing is, is essentially drug companies using these techniques that nature has been using to get specific molecules inside cells, sometimes even in, in complex cells like human cells, eukaryotic cells, getting them into the nucleus so that they can start to interact with nucleic acids, with, with DNA. Um, and so this whole chapter of, mm -hmm. of, if you like, synbio, synthetic biology, is now happening. And um, in the, on the US, you'll see one of the first Synbio products has actually hit the market. It's called Bored Cow, because the cows are so bored, because they're not involved in making this vegan milk. And it's called a milk because it's essentially what they've done is bioengineer fungal protein to be able to produce whey, whey protein. Wow. And of course, Ron, you, you know that, that milk has got a whole bunch of it's immune factors. It's a whole factors, suite of, of nutrients, and they're and, trying yeah, exactly. to substitute just one constituent yeah, for... Yeah, just one. Yeah. 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 And yeah. so uh, when I was in Florida three weeks ago, I met with John Fagan, who you may know has done a lot of work, ex-genetic um, you know, engineer who's kind of switched sides. And um, John has done a detailed analysis on this bored cow milk. And it's, it's scary because they've got it through the FDA as a equivalent of milk mm -hmm. so it hasn't required any kind of pre-market testing and the thing is missing a whole bunch of the immune factors that we would normally get in milk because he's compared it with biodynamic milk and organic milk but more disturbingly he's also found very very clear toxins and allergens within it yeah. and then he's found another 92 compounds that are entirely new to nature. So, so, so would it be fair it, to it, say that uh, ANH and ANH International is about uh, uh, waving a bit of a caution flag uh, on the, uh, the ascendancy of a biochemical pharmaceutical model of healthcare uh, where we welcome the innovations. I mean, there's no question there, there are incredible uh, innovations that can vanquish uh, killer diseases, uh, prevent diseases. Uh, we now have weight loss drugs. Uh, it's, it's amazing, the developments here. Uh, but on the other hand, um, we, we are not doing that well with chronic diseases. Uh, I don't know what the situation is in the UK. Yeah. I presume it's similar to the United States, but uh, life expectancy is declining. The incidence of cancer in young people is dramatically increasing. Uh, these are disturbing trends, and even in the face of uh, incredible expenditures of our gross natural product for uh, pharmaceutical, uh, expensive pharmaceutical fixes, uh, we're not addressing some of the fundamental health problems that face us. 
Look, exactly. You know, there, there are multiple issues. What one is in, in terms of the, the, the fact that the pharmaceutical industry and the biotech industry have developed such close links with the regulators, they're getting fast track through the system, as we see with board cap. But what we're seeing is a whole we call, we call series crony, of increased cronyism or crony capitalism. It is cronyism. It's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. So, so, and, and yet the same time for products that have been around, you know, NMN would be a good example where they are slight modifications. That's, of that's a the NAD, the, the you know, nicotinamide yeah. mononucleotide. Yeah. Tide. Okay. Yeah, so so um, we, which is a potent anti-aging compound. It's got very very specific effects um, that are protective of, of DNA. It can reduce the rate at which telomeres, the ends of chromosomes, are shortening. So it has a direct role on life expectancy. And so we're we're now seeing this this playoff between investigational new drugs and new dietary ingredients that are essentially creating an obstacle course for the natural product industry. Basically, pharma is saying, look, we've by and large um, cleared a space where we can go to market with our friends that we fund in the agencies like FDA and its equivalent around the world. Um, and they want to do it at a lower and lower cost. So they want a, a fast tracking system. You can see it with mRNA vaccines now. Once they've sort of proven the concept of it, and I, I do think that in itself is somewhat controversial to suggest that they have been proven safe when there's still some questions on the transparency and the, even the amount of the data. But but essentially, they're always looking for the shortcuts while and, at the same time think, for... I think an interesting example of that is the fast tracking of Alzheimer drugs, uh, some of which yeah. have been proven uh, pretty pretty dangerous. Uh, the efficacy is questionable, the expense is astronomical, uh, and yet the expenditure on uh, lifestyle uh, factors that may impact the incidence of Alzheimer's disease is negligible compared to the multi-billion dollar efforts uh, to promote these drugs. 100%. So another big part of, I mean, roughly with ANH, we can, we can divide what we do into sort of four main sectors. What one is, is campaign areas that we really focus on to draw attention that often involves kind of two parts one is creating awareness of a problem and then looking for that solution and that solution is often involves political change so we're extremely involved as you know with our action alerts we um, have a very strong voice on the hill particularly with federal policy but we're also directly involved with, with state policy. Um, so that that's the sort of campaign side. We, we have a, an action side where, where we are, again, getting people increasingly involved in all sorts of actions that are about change. Um, and they may be political actions, but they also may, may be um, actions in the community that, that where people can, um, you know, help support one another to you know, through through education, and that links to the third part, which is about education. So we we we've now launched a um, health creation faculty where we're actually um, running courses, bringing people together, um, experts around the world together to be able to deliver key courses that are really about filling information gaps. There are some fantastic 
um, education offerings around, but there's also some some significant gaps. And one of the gaps that we really um, are filling is where we use a sort of a super big picture holistic view looking at specific areas. So, you know, if we're going to look at the chronic disease problem, let's look at some of the 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 big picture problems for example the fact that we have siloed system of medicine that um where all the different specialisms are so siloed that they barely communicate with each other they even use different vocabularies and when you look at the interaction between that mainstream allopathic medical community which has problems understanding itself then you see this complete division to this other side, this the alternative and complementary medical world that again is also pretty siloed because you've got a you you actually have more than four hundred or so alternative medicine modalities. Again, people speaking different languages. So we've got to find a way that works for the citizen, for the individual. Um, so one of the things we we've been working on with our our blueprint for health system sustainability is how do we develop a new language that everyone can use, that everyone can understand, that is built around function? Because we're not going to start resolving some of these problems. And, you know, we, we, uh, I'm going to be speaking at a, a, a meeting in, in um, New Orleans in, in a couple of weeks. No, in fact, sorry, it's next week, next week, um, where we're going to be looking at um, small molecules um, like nucleotides and peptides and incidentally these are molecules that the FDA and the drug companies have got their eyes on as well so we are already starting to see a fight developing with the FDA you know having a fight essentially added. over natural compounds compounds yeah, which are they're, they're going to say we, we, yeah. we yeah we, we're going to stop compounding we want to stop compounding pharmacists from making these these small molecules, these peptides, which are just combinations between generally two and seven or eight um, amino acids that, if you like, offer a very specific language to the body. I mean, these, these are all proteinaceous molecules that are the key signaling molecules for, um, for all of life on this planet. And um, they have um, pronounced effects. Many of them occur in natural forms, um, but we um, essentially have stopped consuming the kind of foods that deliver them. And, you know, one good example of that would be organ meats. Ever since we decided to, usually because of something like the BSE crisis, we, we the, the bovine spongiform encephalopathy, the so-called uh, you know, Kreutz-Jakob yeah. uh, yeah. disease, of, you know, brain exactly. rot with uh, uh, prions. Yeah. You've got it exactly. So that that shifted the dietary pattern to um, consuming muscle meats largely, and um, and offal meats were taken out of the equation, and and yet the offal meats contain vast numbers of signaling peptides and signaling nucleotides right. that are critical for one carbon metabolism for communication in the body. For triggering stem cell regeneration in different organs. I mean, for, it's, for it's listeners, remarkable. that's, that's O F F A L, not A W F U L. Yes. As much as many of you may disdain liver, one of the most uh, maligned foods, uh, perhaps along with uh, tofu, 
<laughs> in the in in uh, in uh, Anglo-Saxon culture. Uh, oh, so let me just mention, uh, you know, the impact of uh, the Alliance for Natural Health because uh, we have had significant impact. We compiled some statistics for last year, uh, and it's on our website at anh-usa.org. Uh, 40,000 new activists. We've, it's a, look, this is a grassroots movement. This is not a movement, an elitist movement. This is not a movement of uh, healthcare practitioners, although we have many healthcare practitioners across the many disciplines, MDs, DOs, nurse practitioners, uh, uh, PAs, uh, naturopaths, chiropractors, uh, health coaches, you name it. But we also have a lot of, uh, citizen activists, because it's a grassroots movement. It's like, how are we going to lift this? Because we're not getting a lot of uh, top-down support uh, for these initiatives. So it's really people demanding, uh, you know, voting with their feet, uh, uh, consuming natural products, and joining organizations like ours. 535 congressional offices contacted because we have lobbyists in place. Uh, to, and I've, I've been on the Hill, and I think you have as well. You know, we've gone yep. to, uh, to, to members of Congress, and, you know, we've stated our positions, and sometimes uh, with a sympathetic ear, sometimes with a skeptical ear, because a lot of these folks are, you know, are, we're outgunned by Big Pharma. Their contributions are enormous to, uh, mm-hmm. to, to legislators. But, you know, we too wield some influence because we have a lot of voters behind us. 248 laws impacted. Because we, you know, we will sometimes block a law that's restrictive for access to healthcare or healthcare products, uh, or we'll advocate for a law that is, uh, say, for example, uh, the PFAS campaign that we did on uh, something that is deleterious to the environment. We want federal yeah. agencies and Congress to be aware that this is a hazard that's impacting our our children, our grandchildren, and it's a, it's a terrible legacy for the future and 122 campaigns initiated. And if you go to anh-usa.org, you can also, you can see what some of our campaigns are about. And I'm sure that some of them will be directly in your wheelhouse. If you're a listener to intelligent medicine, go ahead, Rob. No, so look, it's, it's a, you know, I, I think it could be said that we punch way above our weight because we are the largest grassroots organization involved. And it's that's one of the reasons we have such a significant voice on the Hill. Um, you know, we, we, we also live in a in a in a time, as I said, that is changing so rapidly. So we have to deal with with the way in which the U.S. Constitution now is being distorted by um the authorities by by government and um you know one of the campaigns that will be unleashing a very big campaign that we're coming together with pretty much the lead um doctors and um clinicians in the keto intermittent fasting camp is going to be on censorship is on on the oh. the use of ai in censorship because essentially what's happened is that the the whole thing has been handed over to the bots and the bots now, based on a change that was made on the 15th of August 2023 in YouTube's medical misinformation policy, they, they basically said, we're going to disallow anything unless it's in line with what the NIH is saying or what the World Health Organization is saying. And by the way, that, that's, say, in, that's on, up guys. for discussion uh, at, at the level of the Supreme Court, I believe, next month. Uh, there's a big yep. case which is going to involve uh, this notion of uh, can social media uh, at the behest of the government 
uh, restrict access to truthful information because, you know, the kind of information that they were suppressing was that the vaccine was not of natural origin, that it was a man-made, I'm sorry, that the vaccine, that the, the COVID itself, uh, the COVID uh, yep. virus uh, was not of natural origin. There was an active effort to suppress that notion. Now it's quite plausible that it was a man-made uh, organism that escaped from the Wuhan lab. Uh, there was suppression of the notion that perhaps the vaccine was uh, not that effective, that it was a little leaky. There was suppression of the notion that the vaccine, uh, you know, did not really prevent transmission to a significant degree. There was suppression of the side effects of the vaccine. There was suppression of uh, the risk-benefit equation, especially in younger individuals about the vaccine. And all this is coming to light, but this was the, quote, misinformation or disinformation. Uh, individuals were, were uh, shadow banned and outright banned uh, and... Uh, Deplatformed de often. You see, Ron, the bottom line is I think everyone would be accepting of excessively stringent restrictions on speech if it was temporary during the period in which the pandemic was running, when it's very easy in hindsight to look back and say, yeah, well, that was the wrong thing to do. There was a lot of confusion about what the right thing to do was at that time. Right. Understand. The reason that we have to launch this this campaign now is that there has been no relaxation of that censorship. And the very fact that the censorship now is, has shifted gears away from COVID and pandemic-related issues and has now hit fair and square the whole keto intermittent fasting camp when, you know, yes, we all know that we different people mean different things when they use the word keto diet. They mean different things when they talk about intermittent fasting. But the bottom line is that um, we believe very strongly under the First Amendment that people should be able to talk pretty openly about that subject without interference. And, um, and of course, the, the question that will need to be resolved in the court is, you know, can a private platform determine, you know, privately as a, as a company to control what is on its platform or not. The, the, the difficulty they have increasingly is that these decisions are not made by these private social media platforms in isolation. They're made in cahoots with government agencies. And that, that is why we believe that it is probably a breach of the First Amendment in the U.S. Constitution. So it's 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 going to be an interesting time. The, the bottom line is a lot of people don't know that shadow banning outside pandemic-related matters is going on. And that's because um, shadow banning is a pretty clever, you know, approach. You, you don't see anyone, you, you know, losing their platform. Essentially, what happens is that you don't get referred if you already subscribe it to a particular channel you will see that channel there will be no change so you will not know however if you weren't aware of it and you were interested in learning more let's say in the keto intermittent fasting area what will happen is that you won't be shown the most popular videos on that subject which were the people who had the greatest numbers of hits those guys will be relegated deep down in your list and suddenly what you're seeing is this um, this combination of de-amplifying the people who really are the experts and then amplifying in its place people who are very critical of intermittent fasting and 
keto diets. Mm-hmm. So, and par- you know, and paradoxically, for someone who, who doesn't. And paradoxically, if you're yeah. the parent of a, of a teenager, you may uh, glance at their uh, cell phone uh, and discover that they've gone down a rabbit hole in TikTok on the corpse diet, you know, something yeah. that is uh, unquestionably an unhealthy way to go. Uh, and yet yeah. it is uh, viral uh, and uh, highly promoted by algorithms uh, within social media. So there's, there's quite uh, the paradox there. Look, it's this is the this is the world we have to now navigate, and um, you know, as always, um, we do need a judiciary. One of the reasons that that at ANH we've always had two fundamental strands. One is what we call good science, and the other is good law. And um, you know, both of them are very strongly correlated to civilized societies. And the difficulties we're seeing more and more distorted science and more and more distorted law. So what we do in A&H is attempt to shine a light on, on the problem and then present solutions. And that solution often involves not only a change in our own behaviors and attitudes and um, improved understanding of what's going on in the world, but also political change. Folks, uh, if you are a listener to Intelligent Medicine, as evidently you are because you've sought out this podcast, uh, I think it's in your interest to check out uh, the Alliance for Natural Health, A&H, uh, Dash USA.org uh, is the place to go for advocacy, for information. Uh, please join uh, and take part in uh, what we're trying to accomplish, because uh, I think it is an organization that reflects uh, your priorities uh, and is going to be very, very instrumental in safeguarding your access to freedom of choice in health care. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today, our guest is uh, the executive director of uh, ANH International and also ANH-USA. Recently, we've uh, come closer and merged together uh, in our efforts. And we'll be back uh, with more uh, with Rob for Kirk. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman.